right, we're going to talk about the difference between doing and being. That's the title of the sermon this morning. Uh, our brother read for us this morning from Jesus' Sermon on the and Mount. We're going to look at a few things in the Sermon on the Mount today, maybe over the next couple of weeks, but regardless of how long we talk about it, our conversation this morning is about doing and being and comparing the two. There are a couple of people in the room who have, who have worked as auto mechanics, yes? A couple of you have. I know Bill still is actively engaged in servicing automobiles. Um, I used to work on my cars. You notice how I said that? I used to work on my cars. Yeah, there was, a t you know, there was a time I thought I could be a pretty good mechanic. And then a few years ago, Lynn and I were living in San Diego. We had this little car that I drove around every day, and I've changed the brake pads on my cars numerous times. And so I decided on one Saturday morning I would get up and change the brake pads on my car. And I very carefully, meticulously took the brake uh, the wheel off and took the little uh, thing that holds the brake pads, I can't even remember the name of it, but I took it off and I, and I, and I, and I, it's a caliper, I just remembered. I took the caliper off and if you don't know what that is, look on the internet. There'll be one somewhere. Um, so I took the calipers off and I put the brake pads back on and I put it all back together and everything seemed to fit. I didn't have any bolts or nuts or screws left over and I got in the car and I drove around the block and the brakes were squealing and making more noise than when I had started. And I, and I didn't understand. It's like, this is beyond me. I don't get this. Well, you know, if you live on a boat in San Diego and your parking lot is right next to the ocean, they don't really appreciate you changing your oil <laughs> and, and things like that in the parking lot. So I had this gentleman who owned a little shop there in Chula Vista, and he was my oil change guy. He had a little break in oil lube shop. And so I took my car over to him, and I said, his name was Jose. I said, Jose, I said, there's something wrong with my car. I don't understand. It's making some terrible noises. The brakes are just really, really noisy. And I didn't tell him I had worked on my car before I took it to him. But I, he put the car in, the, in the, the shop, and he put it up on the rack, and I was in the waiting room just kind of, you know, reading and just kind of waiting for him to repair the car and make it not squeak anymore. And he came into the waiting room, he said, Ed, he said, please come out here to the shop, I need to show you something. And I went out, and he, and he said, Ed, he said, who put these brake pads on? Because they're on backwards. <laughs> he said, the, little, the, the part that's supposed to stop is backwards. He said, this car will never stop. How did you get here? And I said, very slowly. And, and then he said, who put these brake pads on? He said, I don't know. <laughs> and then I finally fessed up. I'm like, okay, I did that. He said, Ed, he said, promise me you'll never, ever work on your car again. I will give you good deals to fix your car. Just don't ever work on your car again. And that was the last time I've ever worked on my car. I used to be able to do things. I don't tell many people this, but there was a period in my life when I actually used to remodel houses. And I was a really good finished carpenter. And I could trim wooden windows with a four-inch paintbrush and not get any paint on the window. And if you don't know what that means, you haven't painted any wooden windows lately. I was good at that. I never tell people that anymore because then they call me up, hey, Ed, can you come help me? And I'm like, no, I don't do that anymore. And I don't. There are a lot of things that we do, but I never really wanted to be a mechanic. You get the difference? There are a lot of things that we do in life, but it doesn't necessarily mean we want to be that. There's a difference in these two words, doing and being. Doing has a sense of acting and performing or executing some activity it's something in which you might engage. It's an effort. It's just a simple activity. I used to play baseball. 
I never made it past my freshman year in baseball. As a matter of fact, I never even made it to the first regular season game of my freshman year in baseball because I quit. And I started singing with this music group, and I wanted to sing worse than I wanted to throw a baseball across the home plate. That was okay with me. There are a lot of things that you and I do. And when it comes to this idea of faith and how we live and walk, there are a lot of things that we can do that are faith actions. They are faith activities. They are faith-oriented kind of things. But if we're not really careful, we'll just do them and we'll never become the essence of what we are doing. Because when you really look at the word being, it has the sense it's a quality or a state of existence. It is your essence of being. There are some parts of us that we just can't help but being like that. This morning, well, yesterday evening, I decided I was going to put together this little sermon that my dad preached some many, many years ago at the Tanner Church of Christ in Tanner, Alabama. And I, and I took the MP3 that I downloaded from, from the Tanner Church of Christ website, and I dumped it into a PowerPoint, and I converted that into a video, and I uploaded it this morning. And it's 41 minutes and some seconds of my dad preaching a sermon from umpteen years ago. And there are things about my father. This is Father's Day, so I'm going to talk about him just a minute. There are some things about my father. I can't help but be like that because I have his gene pool in me. You get what I'm saying? It's the essence of who I am. And it's been ingrained in me so long, I can't help but do some things like he does them. And now I'll be honest with you, all of us have probably said, oh, I don't ever want to be like that. But we are just exactly like that because that's just who we are. And we can't really change that sometimes. This whole thing about doing and being is important for us in our walk with God because if we're not careful, if we're not careful, what will happen is we'll kind of become like Ron talked about in the, in the comments before the Lord's Supper. There'll be things that we want to do, like we would like to give of our first fruits, but we pay all of our bills first. We would like not to worry, but there are just things in this world that seem to get our attention and cause us great grief, and, and, and the circumstances that we have to deal with in life kind of supersede that expression where Jesus says, peace be with you, or take no thought for your tomorrow is what you'll eat or drink because your Father knows you need them and he'll take care of you. There are a lot of things, if we're not careful, we'll do them as believers but if we don't approach it in the right way, it becomes something that we just do, but it really never becomes our true essence of who we are. All of us have probably, and we could maybe even tell stories about ourselves, we've known someone who goes to church on Sunday, yes? But if you saw them Tuesday or Wednesday, you wouldn't know that they went to church on Sunday. Because there's something about their demeanor, their character, the quality of life that they live that doesn't seem to jive exactly with what Sunday morning looks like. Doing and being are two separate things, but they're also interrelated and interconnected in a way that's very, very powerful. You and I can do something without being what we're doing. We really can. We can do things. I can put brake pads on a car. I can change the oil on a car. I might could even change the spark plugs on a car, even though it was easier for Firestone to do that Friday than me but I don't want to be those things. 
But when it comes to the reality of our life with Jesus, our life in faith, our life with God, I hope that the things that we do in the name of Jesus are the things that we would like to be like. And I pray that the things that we do in faith get so ingrained within us and they become so much a part of us that it becomes our essence. And we cannot help but do those things. Helping other people is one of those that I pray will become a part of your essence and a part of who you are. It's not that you do something because you just see it and you just feel compelled to have to do it. And I use that expression purposely, having to do it. But I pray that it is something that you really must do because it is such a part of who you are on the inside. You can't help but. Paul makes an allusion to that when he says, I can't help but speak. Peter did. He said, I can't help but speak the name of Jesus. You can tell us to be quiet all you want to, those of you who lead the city and who lead the, the Sanhedrin. You can tell us to be quiet, but you have to understand, we can't help but speak about him. My prayer is that we would be like that. So how is life different when we're being Christ? And how is life different when we are the essence of Christ? That's the message this morning. How can your life be different if you and I truly embrace this idea of not only doing things in the name of Jesus, not only doing things in the name of faith, not only doing things to bring honor and glory to God, but it becomes the essence of who we truly are, and it will change us into something that is pretty amazing. There's a verse of Scripture that was read for us earlier. Whoever, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it didn't fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and, and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. You and I have to have a foundation upon which we build our lives. I choose Many of you in this room choose that that foundation is Jesus. But I'm just going to be honest with you. There are a whole lot of people in the world that isn't their foundation. Their foundation of life is built on something else. There are a lot of other things in the world that are working against us and against God in us and working to try to steal our foundation in Christ and cause us to build that foundation on something else. There are all kinds of things in the world that try to take you away. Maybe it's your career. Maybe it's your education. Maybe it's your hobby. All sorts of things try to replace the foundation that we should have in God. Jesus speaks the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount. And he gives a few expressions that are kind of the foundation upon which he builds the rest of that sermon and the rest of that discourse with the group that are with him that day. And these expressions that he makes are very, very challenging. Like, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who mourn, for they'll be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they'll inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they'll be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they'll be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, when they persecute you. And falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Doing things in order to become. 
We could look at each one of these Beatitudes and pull it apart and look at each word and define it as to what it means to be poor in spirit. And being poor in spirit is something that, that causes us great challenges sometimes because we don't want to be poor in spirit. We want to win. We want to be out front. We want to be the leader. That's what the world teaches us. The world teaches you you've got to crush people in order to get ahead. You've got to run over folks in order to get promoted at work. You've got to cheat your way to the top or sleep your way to the top. There are all kinds of crazy things that the world teaches us. But God calls us to be poor in spirit. He calls us to mourn. If we mourn, we'll be comforted. What in the, what in the world would we be mourning about? Let me share this with you. When's the last time you just drove through your neighborhood and looked at all of the houses that were around you or drove down the freeway, maybe came up on a little hill where you could look out over the whole valley and you see all of those tens of thousands, literally millions of people who live within a five, ten mile radius of where you're at right now. How many of them know Jesus? And does that bother you at all? Jesus lays a foundation upon which we can build our lives. We have to do these things, and the minute that we start doing them, it doesn't mean that we automatically become the essence of that. It's going to take time. And the more that we do this, the more we in, in, impart and take of these things, the more that we become like them. Jesus talks about being pure in heart. He talks about people who are peacemakers. He talks about people who, should, who are going to be persecuted because of righteousness. How many of you want to stand, sign up for that one? We're closer than we used to be. In case you didn't know it, the world that we live in is a little different than it was 50 years ago. And the persecution for righteousness is not far away from us, even in this country. It isn't far away. It's coming. We have regulations in this state of California that prohibit any of us in this, in this group of people from trying to help someone who may be participating in a lifestyle that none of us would embrace, none of us would, would endorse, none of us would, would say, hey, it's okay, come on down. But we're told that if we try to help them move out of that lifestyle, we've broken the law. You ready to suffer those consequences? He asks us to be merciful. Probably one of the most challenging things that any of us have to deal with is to be merciful. When you don't give somebody something they deserve for something bad that they did, that just goes against so much of us. And it goes against so much of the, of the teaching and, and, and the embedded thoughts that we have been given all of our lives. If you do something wrong, you got to pay for it. If you hurt me, I have the right to hold that against you. And if you do something to me or my family, I have a right. I don't have to forgive you of that. I don't have to extend mercy for that. And we hold on to those things. And that is so foreign to how Jesus would have us to live. So when you think about these Beatitudes, Jesus calls us to live in a different life. Doing in order to become, in order for us to become like Jesus, to become the essence of him, we have to live as he has instructed us to live. And I remind you, it's not going to be an instantaneous thing. 
Just because you became a believer yesterday, just because you might have been baptized last year, doesn't mean that all of a sudden your world changes and, all, and you're just the perfect Christian. It doesn't work like that. If anything, the last year has probably been one of the hardest years of your life because Satan knows he lost one and God got one and he's going to do everything that he can to try to rip you down and tear you down and destroy your faith so that you'll say, nah, I don't need the God thing. I don't need the Jesus thing. Let me just go back to the way I was because life was easier. There weren't any challenges. No one was blasting me. No one was saying things about me. Nobody was yelling at me, making fun of me. They weren't doing any of those things. Let me just go back. It was easier. But you have to keep doing the things that God has called us to do in the words of Jesus in this sermon. So doing and being, it's about doing and being. It's both and. It isn't one or the other. It isn't that we just do things and not become. It isn't that we can become without doing. We have to understand that it takes both of them to make this thing work. And for some of us, the change will be sooner and quicker and maybe a little easier. For some of us, it will take a long time. Am I the only one in the church that's still dealing with problems that I had 10 years ago? Am I the only one? Because I still have the same stupid things that I have to deal with sometimes. My wife can tell you those. For a small phenomenal fee, I'll use them in the next sermon. But we're, we're like that. Paul said it best. Oh, wretched man that I am, the very things that I want to do, I don't do the things that I don't want to do, that's the stuff that I do. How am I going to be saved in all this? The only way. Is through Jesus. That's it. But I want you to understand, <clears throat> just because the grace of God through the blood of Jesus cleanses us from our sin doesn't mean that we can live any way we want to live. We are called to be Christ. We are called to be the essence of Christ. We are called to be the sons and the daughters of God. But we can't be the daughters and the sons of God without doing some of the things that they've asked us to do. I promise all of us, if we would just take a moment, just a moment or two, we could jot down one or two things that we do that are just like our Father. We could. Your physical appearance was given to you by the genetic makeup, but your behavior was learned. It was learned. 13th of June, six years ago, my dad passed away. I posted a picture so that my family and I could reflect on him, put it online. Some of you saw it and, and made very gracious comments, and for that, my family thanks you. But my niece, that lives over in North Carolina, she made a comment in the, the thread of comments that people make on Facebook things. She said, oh, I love the picture. I love being around Gramps. He was great. I just wish that I hadn't inherited his road rage. <laughs> well, I have news for you. She didn't inherit that. She, she didn't inherit that from my, my father. 
She learned that by modeling her father, who is my brother, who happened to learn some of that from my dad as he drove around and expressed a little road rage when we were riding around with him as kids. It's not genetic. Road rage isn't genetic. It's a learned behavior. <coughs> and the funniest thing, the funniest thing, my other sister, my, I have two sisters, Amory and Rachel. I don't, she's probably going to watch this sermon, that's okay. I don't know if she realizes or not, but she doesn't exactly have the gene pool. Because we adopted her when she was six weeks old. She doesn't even have my dad's genetics. But she learned road rage, baby, and she passed it on to her daughter. It's a learned behavior. And some of the things that God has asked us to do, the things, <clears throat> the service kinds of things, the loving kinds of things, the merciful kinds of things, the forgiveness kinds of things, the take your coat off and give it to someone who asks for that, and don't just give them your coat, but give them your shirt too. If they ask for you something, give it to them. Don't expect anything in return. You don't loan money to anybody. You never expect any. All of those rub the wrong way on the grain for all of us from a worldly human perspective. They all rub the wrong way. And the only way we ever really learn how to do any of those things is by continuing to do them over and over and over again. And as we do them over and over again, they become a part of our learned behavior in Christ. And then the essence of our being looks like Jesus. And when we all show up to one another's funerals, somebody's going to say something about us. Will they say anything about us? He looked like Jesus. She looked like Jesus. He lived like Jesus. She lived like Jesus. Doing versus being isn't one or the other. It's both and. When we do the things that God has called us to do, that we can read and we can listen to in the Word and we see them and we understand them, when we begin to do them, the more that we do them, the more we become like Him. And the more that we're like Him, the more that we do the things that He would do. And the more that we do the things that He would do, the more we become like Him. And by the time you're as old as Ray, and of all the white hair and the wisdom, I'm playing with him because he and I had this conversation before church. We do what's right. And the beauty of it is we don't even have to think about it. It just comes out. And it's just natural. And it's our gut instinct. And it's the one thing that we would always do because we know that it's the right thing to do. So, will you let Jesus have your way? His way with you. That's really what this is all about. It's about you and I surrendering ourselves to doing the things that God has called us to do. And if we'll surrender ourselves to do the things that God has called us to do, we are giving ourselves to Him so that He may have His way with us. Now I'm just going to warn you, straight up right now, sometimes when He has His way with us, He puts us places <clears throat> that are not comfortable. And they're hard. And they're difficult. <clears throat> and it takes a lot of determination 
and purposed commitment to God and Christ to do the right thing. Because I'm telling you, sometimes it would be way easier, way easier to do what the world would say to do. But respectfully, I invite you to let Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God, and the Father have their way with you. Let him mold you like clay. Let him make you into a vessel of service. And then spread the joy. Spread the love. Because he truly does want to have his way with you. Brandon, come and lead us in this song as we sing this. I invite you to consider the invitation of Jesus. If there's something on your heart that you want to share with this church, let us know so we can pray with you. If those of you, some of you here in this room have never made a decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life, this day, this morning, you can do that. And you can begin to do the things that God asks you to do, knowing you won't be perfect, because trust me, none of us are, but we're just a little closer, and just a little closer, and just a little closer to that perfection that God wants for us. Let's encourage one another as we stand and sing. Would you live?